Today's podcast is going to be a great one because we're going to be speaking with Melanie Legend and she is going to tell us all about how she was able to rid herself of PCOS. So it's going to get really interesting. She's going to give us real actionable tips on how she got it done. And we're also going to get into a little bit of the woo-woo side. It's really going to be an interesting episode, so I'm sure you all are going to love this one. Welcome to the Kaka TV Podcast, your source for all things health, happiness, and beauty. I'm here today with Melanie Legend. She works with things like emotional healing, chakra work, past life trauma, hypnosis. So Melanie, could you give us a quick background on your journey and how you moved away from standard Western medicine? Absolutely. So number one, thank you for having me on the show. I'm really excited to be here. Um, so pretty much my, my journey, for those of you who have not heard of me before, I did start out um, in Western medicine. So um, I finished university and I kind of felt the call that I wanted to do the doctor path. So uh, I ended up going to med school uh, for two and a half years. And then I kind of faced something, what I call a spiritual awakening or what, what is known as a spiritual awakening. Um, so essentially, I kind of had a shift as to uh, where my ethics, morals and beliefs were. So uh, I kind of reached a crossroads where it was, I can either stay in this medical system um, and not necessarily live my truth or in alignment with the things that I believe in, or I can leave and start a new path. So at that point, that's kind of what I did. I, I ended up leaving and that was really, really hard at the time. Um, and then I ended up going into naturopathic medicine. So that's kind of where I am now, long story short. Um, but I do work a lot with the emotional side and I feel like that's where me, especially in Western medicine started to kind of veer because I felt like there was just so much missing that I could feel and that I could see. And especially on my own personal healing journey, um, you know, I really believe in, in healing the mind, body, soul. So that's kind of where I am right now. So that's awesome. Um, my husband actually had a similar story because he was studying to be just a medical doctor. And while okay. he was going through that, he realized that it wasn't resonating with him. So he switched over to become an acupuncturist. Good for him. Amazing. How long was he in school for? Four years. So, I mean, just the basics was done, which is about the same that you need for acupuncture. So it was okay. It was a good point right. to switch. So he, he actually completed the medical school. No, he did not. He was oh, okay. at that point where he could still transition because you need to do some of the medical school to do acupuncture too. Yeah, it's funny how sometimes, you know, you just get faced with a place where it's like, okay, well, I guess I have to, I have to be true to myself. And, you know, acupuncture is an amazing practice that I, I truly believe in. So that must have been hard for him as well. Yeah, but everything works out for the best. I think like you just kind of find your calling at some point. Something will just click and you know when to Absolutely. make that pivot. No, I was just going to say that's funny because I keep hearing that word pivot. Um, I, I don't know if it's like the, the saying of 2019, but a lot of people are pivoting. And especially in my life, there's been a lot of pivots uh, or changes with kind of the energy going on right now. Yeah, I've noticed that a lot. Things you're an author, a life coach, to teaching self-healing, and you do so many things, but how would you describe what you do? Absolutely. Um, I, I would say the number one thing is I really am, and I, I say this um, as my own kind of terminology, but a resonance coach. And when I say resonance, um, I mean like changing vibrations. So I work at a very deep level. So it's not just you know, surface self-confidence. It's not like surface depression, surface anxiety. Um, I really pull all of the pieces together and then move deeper and deeper and deeper to really get to the root of the trauma or whatever is causing the issue. Um, so I would say my grand contribution to society is to heal at a really deep level. That's that's pretty. I'm a healer and I'm here to really help people transcend and resonate um, at the vibration that they really, truly want to be at. 
Why do you feel that this work is so important to you? Um, that's a good question. I would say it's so important because it's number one in service to others. And I think for a large majority of my life, um, you know, you do get sucked, sucked into kind of the self-centeredness or you're self-serving and you kind of lose sight of the bigger picture. And I feel like this work, it just, you know, being in alignment, it's, it's so easy to, number one, help people, and number two, feel so authentic and giving and um, contributing, con, sorry, contributing something that truly impacts somebody's lives. And I feel like before I was just going through the motions, but when you're actually in alignment and you're actually able to um, live true to your soul, then I think the work is just so much more powerful. And I think that's why I'm in love with it. And that's why I really do love doing what I do is because I know that my heart's in the right place. And when my heart's in the right place, I can actually come to a place of impact. And do you think that depression could like kind of stem from just worrying about yourself too much, being a little too self-involved and that like we need to serve others to get out of that, to think of other people a little bit? Or do you think that's just my crazy idea? Um, I think there's definitely a component of that. I mean, depression in itself is really multifaceted. And actually, when I work with um, people through depression, I integrate three aspects. So I integrate the mind, body, soul. And most of my students are so shocked because I have a course. It's called Anatu. And the the second week of the course um, is all focused on nutrition. And I think we forget about depression because it's kind of put in that um, mental health box where we think of it as an emotional thing where it really is a connection of the mind body soul so there is a nutritional aspect where we do have to start treating our gut brain connection properly and we do have to put uh, foods in it that are going to fuel and really help uh, eat foods that are going to balance our chemistry as well so that we're getting our serotonin levels up um, so that we have that kind of physical basis but then on the emotional side Um, depression is also living out of alignment with yourself. So it's that place of uh, people pleasing, of trying to be someone that you aren't authentically. And that's when I personally went through depression. It was because I was trying to serve the world in a way that I thought they wanted me to be instead of who I truly was. And there was this disassociation between my spirit who was like, you're actually this person where I was trying to be somebody else. And I couldn't come back to that brain heart connection, which was my soul. Um, And I see that a lot with people um, with depression. The number one thing is this need to please others instead of putting yourself actually first. I actually had like a similar experience to that where um, when I was younger, I was very creative. I was very good at drawing and painting but I was depressed mm-hmm. about it because I was like, that's not useful to the world. That's not like math or science. Right. And now I right. feel like I'm coming more back to the creative side and I feel like better and like this is contributing. Exactly. And it's, it's, it's all those society pressures because, I mean, we grew up in an environment that just like, you know, there's a right and a wrong and a norm and a non-norm, but all of our essence, all of our beauty, like, your most creative self is like the gift that this world needs, right? Because that allows you to really flourish and really, um, you know, bring that side of the the world to balance because we are more in the logical side. We are in the more analytical side, but it's coming back to that yin-yang kind of balance as well. Yes, I see that happening. So what is your best tip for like someone who's struggling with maybe health issues and they go to the doctor and they can't seem to get answers or help. Yeah. So, I mean, this is really, it's a tough question because I have had people come to me that, you know, are on medications and by no means am I anti-medications because they do understand that sometimes that's somebody's best resource. Um, but on the flip side, I'll, all of my clients, and I can say this with confidence, I get them off their, their medications, their SSRIs. Um, because of the long-term impact that I've personally seen and personally experienced. Um, So if medication is something that you need, by all means, go for that. Um, But if you're not resonating with your practitioner, find somebody who's going to take that journey with you and is willing to be open-minded. And I see a lot of people that get stuck in the Western medicine kind of way of things because that's all they know. And 
just because uh, that's all that they know, they stay there and they feel like, you know, they're on medications. They don't want to be on medications. I've seen this where people are on Prozac for a long period of time and then they have the long-term effects of that instead of actually, you know, listening to your heart, listening to your intuition where it says um, maybe you want to try a different road and then find that practitioner that is able to go deep with you because if you just work on the surface level, it's only ever going to heal surface. Um, so the depth is, is what I believe people really need to start looking for when they're really trying to transform. That makes a lot of sense. Also, mm-hmm. I work with women, a lot of women that listen to this podcast and everything, they have hormonal imbalances, endometriosis, PCOS. Yep. And one of the most glaring common factors that I found that nearly all of them, actually all of them that I've directly spoken to have had are like PTSD mm-hmm. and trauma in their past. So what do you feel like you would recommend for someone who has that background? So what I find fascinating, so I actually had PCOS. And that's kind of where the root of my journey actually began because um, Western medicine couldn't help me anymore. So I went through the whole, uh, I did birth control. My hormones went completely crazy. I gained a bunch of weight. I went into depression. Um, and then that was kind of like, I was like, you know what? This is this is weird because polycystic ovarian syndrome is supposed to be genetic and nobody in my family has it. My symptoms are um, like losing control and there's got to be a way to fix this. And I just knew in my heart that at that point in time, there was something deeper that I needed to look at. So I actually have healed my PCOS. I don't actually have it anymore. Uh, knock on wood. I don't have any cysts. I don't have any symptoms. Um, but it was a long process. And what I ended up doing was, yes, there is a huge emotional component. So what I found fascinating is that the female ovaries are known as the point of creation. So on an emotional level, when we have this on the ovaries, it's blocking our point of creation. So at that point in my life, I it's not that I wasn't anti-God, but I just didn't know what to believe. And I also didn't have a strong sense of my spiritual connection to myself. Like I didn't have spiritual practices. I didn't have anything um, that connected to the universal. So I was essentially blocking that on an energetic level. And what I also find interesting is that the ovaries in that area is in the sacral chakra. So that's the second chakra, uh, which is our, our, jo- our joy, our excitement, our creativity. Um, all of those emotions uh, resonate within those organs. So when I started becoming more spiritual, meditating, and really focusing on connecting, I was able to, and I mean, I had to do the physical as well. I had to change my diet um, to help resonate with that as well. Um, but I was able to make that shift and then really start to recover um, the ailment or PCOS. That's awesome. So like you have no yeah. more symptoms. Zero. And what symptoms did you have before? Yeah. So I actually, well, it's pretty mild comparative to what PCOS can be, um, but I had no periods. So I found out that I had PCOS when I was 18 because I ended up going to the gynecologist and I was like, I haven't had my period. I don't know why. Um, and then he was like, oh, you've got, we did the ultrasound, found the cyst. Um, but what else did I have? I was very moody. I slept so much and I had really, really poor sleep. Uh, a lot of nervousness, anxiousness, uh, depression. Uh, I would get the, the hair sometimes on my mustache or not mustache, my, um, like upper lip. Um, just a lot of like, uh, pubic hair, that kind of stuff. Um, I didn't get the acne or anything like that, but it was, it was more the, the fatigue, the chronic fatigue, the emotional fatigue, um, those kind of symptoms. And can you tell us more details, like what kind of diet changes did you find that you have to make and any lifestyle changes, any like practices? Yeah. So it was kind of a long journey because I mean, everyone with PCOS probably goes through the same thing. You pick every single book up on PCOS that you can and you try and figure it out on your own. Um, So I tried the keto diet, wasn't a fan of that, didn't really work for me. Um, And then I ended up going, but I've heard people have done the keto diet and it works fantastic for them. Yeah, not Um, for for me, no, no, no. (laughs) Yeah, for my body was not a good thing. Um, So then I ended up uh, dipping around with the Gerson therapy. So that's like a, a... 
vegan kind of diet. It involves um, coffee enemas for cleaning out the liver. Um, it's, it's pretty much just like juicing, like you're just eating fruits and vegetables. I tried that for about a year on and off, but I struggled with I struggled with that one because we get the insulin resistance, right? We get the hypoglycemia kind of symptoms. Um, so when I was putting that much uh, fruit into my system, I was noticing I was getting a lot of like uh, hypoglycemia. I was finding it really hard to um, regulate my insulin levels. So then that's kind of where I uh, fell upon the medical medium. And I fell in love with the medical medium because he was like the first person uh, that could give me an answer as to why I had PCOS. And with his um, understanding of polycystic ovarian syndrome, it's actually an, a virus. So it's a virus called Epstein-Barr, and it houses itself on the ovaries, and it's the body that starts attacking the virus that creates the cyst. That's kind of the premise of why polycystic ovarian syndrome in terms of medical medium Anthony Williams occurs. And that kind of made sense to me because I was like, okay, you know, like it's not Clearly, it's not familial because I've never had anybody in my family have it. Um, and this just made a lot more sense to me. So then he his protocols were essentially to fight the virus so or get rid of the virus. So I went on an herbal regime of about 12 different supplements. Um, and then I also uh, changed my diet. So I took dairy out. I took gluten out. I took chicken out. I took eggs out. I took... Uh, canola oil out and soy so those are supposed to be all of the food items that essentially feed this virus um did Um, you have to take sugar out yeah okay white sugar no just white sugar so you could have um, like maple yeah you could have maple syrup you could have honey you could have um what what else uh anything fruit sugar anything that's natural sugar was completely allowed yeah and then, sorry, the gluten as well. I think I said that. So yeah. the breads and all of that kind of stuff. Um, and then I went, like, pretty much vegan. Uh, but then I ended up introducing meat back into my diet just to kind of, for some reason, veganism is really, really hard on my body. Um, so now I eat, like, fish and meat occasionally. Uh, and, yeah, it was it was that and the herbal regime that really, as soon as I started actually the herbs, I um, regulated my period normally. And then it was keeping the herbs with the diet that I was really able to um, get consistent and start actually healing. And do you remember which herbs you took and for how long you needed to take them? And how did you find out which herbs to take? Absolutely. So I read one book on PCOS. Um, I can't remember what her name was. She was a doctor. And she had six herbs that she recommended. So I kind of started those initially before I found Anthony. Um, and those were black cohosh, which is a hormone regulator. It was chasberry tree vitex, um, which is also a hormone regulator. It was um, primrose oil, which is also for hormones and menopause symptoms. Siberian ginseng. Ashwagandha. Ashwagandha is great for uh, stress reduction, especially because our cortisol levels spike in PCOS mm-hmm. and B and B complex, uh, because most of us are very deficient in B twelve six or uh, three, I believe it is. So I'm taking a hundred B complex, and those were the initial six that started regulating my period. And then when I found the medical medium, when I found Anthony, I started including um, cat's claw, which is supposed to kill the virus EBV. Um, I was including zinc for my immune system, lion's mane for my nervous system, vitamin D3, magnesium. Magnesium bisglycinate was huge for sleep issues, um, muscle fatigue. That's all I can remember right now. O5-HTP for anxiety. I think that was it. I was taking a lot. (laughs) Yeah. We we tend to take a lot when we have PCOS. Yeah, Exactly. But the nice part is that I got to slowly come off of them and now I'm not taking anything. So and that's one that of the things happen? that I really, yeah. So I feel like, um, you know, the herbs, and I think we forget this too, is that the herbs are not for life. Like they're meant to serve a purpose. They're meant to um, essentially bring your body back to balance or remind it what balance is supposed to be like. Um, and they're supposed to heal. They're supposed to fix whatever the, the issue kind of is. So I was on the herbs for about a year and then the uh, medical medium killing the virus ones for about six months to a year. 
I just felt like my body was like, okay, like, I think I can do this on my own now. Just make sure that, you know, your diet is clean and supportive of killing the virus and of uh, healing yourself. And you don't really need the herbs anymore. And I, I just kind of went off them and my, my period's been regular. My energy's been good. And I just, I feel like if I need to go back, I will go back. Um, but I feel like I finally, I guess, healed my body and I, I listened to it. Well, that's amazing. So do you mm-hmm. think you could ever have like like a cheat meal, like a piece of gluten, some nice bread or something once in a oh while? Oh my God, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. That was my biggest thing, balance. Because I when I went on the medical medium and the Gerson therapy, and I was doing that for like, I guess, two years total, um, I really went like black or white with it. And it was not easy to do black and white. And then you get those cravings and then you break, right? You binge. Um, And it was someone who was doing the medical medium protocols as well who told me this. And it was like the best information knowledge I ever got. And it was like, you're never going to undo your healing. Like whatever you do is always building um, the bridge to whatever is wrong, like, or whatever you're trying to do. Um, So eating that piece of pizza, eating that cookie is never going to undo all the good that you've done. So have that balance, enjoy life, and you'll still get there. So what what might take like a year-long process of pure, clean eating might become two years. Yeah, you might expand the time, but you get to enjoy the little things in life that you still love too. So for instance, I had pizza last night, which I know is a medical medium. No, no, you know, cheese is supposed to feed the virus, but I do enjoy pizza once in a while. Did you make the pizza or you ordered out? We ordered it. I mean, I try and do my best. I'll try and get like whole wheat. And if we can, we'll get the diet cheese substitute. But, you know, sometimes you just have to enjoy and then step back on the horse. And like I had my heavy metal detox uh, smoothie this morning and I'm back on track. Oh, heavy metal detox smoothie. Do tell what's in that. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So again, that's the medical medium. So that is uh, two bananas, two cups of wild blueberries a handful of cilantro, uh, a teaspoon of Hawaiian spirulina, barley barley grass juice extract powder, and what else? Atlantic dolls, a small handful of Atlantic dolls. And all of those ingredients actually work together to pull out the heavy metals from your system, bind to them, and then make sure that they actually get excreted. Interesting. So I have to like look up Mm -hmm. who the medical medium. I only know the medical medium because he was on an episode of the Kardashians. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I watched that episode. <laughs> and all I saw, he waved his hands over Kim's body. And then he's like, you have too much copper in your liver. Have some <laughs> celery juice. <laughs> yeah. So we do the celery juice too. And especially if anyone's suffering from like brain fog or fatigue in the morning, chronic fatigue, um, or even like stomach issues, which is what I was getting because I drink a lot of coffee. Um the celery juice really just kind of neutralizes all of that. So I do believe in the celery juice. Um, but in terms of Anthony, yeah, I really, I love his work. It's a lot to take in because we're so used to doing certain things and, you know, living a certain way. Um, but his, his information is really powerful. Yeah, I, I see. Like I've found a lot of influencers that have referred to his work and like they've cleared their acne, they've lost weight. So there's definitely something to it if you actually follow it. Absolutely. Yeah, actually, one of the girls that I had on my podcast, um, she recovered. She does Anthony Williams. She recovered lupus. Uh, What else did she have? Brain tumors, rheumatoid arthritis. She had something else, too. Completely healed it with Anthony, which is incredible because, you know, on the Western medical side, those are chronic diseases that are not supposed to be able to be healed, which I always find so fascinating. I feel like terrible, but I won't even go to a doctor anymore because it's just like, what are they going to do for any of my problems? They're just going to throw antibiotics and make my gut issues like flare or something and just cause more damage. I I mean, if I break an arm, yeah, fix the arm. But other than that. I know. It's tough. It's really tough because at the same time, like you said, we need them for, you know, the, the acute kind of health. And there is still going to be the people who really believe in, um, you know, medications. I know, like, my grandparents and stuff, like, just don't understand what I'm doing or why I'm doing it. But that's just because they grew up with a belief system that is just so far from 
you know, our new generation um, mindset. Um, but I do also see the gap kind of being filled where there's more Western medicine doctors that are kind of opening. And I think you do, it's hard to find them, but it is kind of starting as a process. Um, so it's going to be interesting to really see where the medical field goes in the next kind of 10 to 20 years. I love how there's more talking about functional medicine. So it's more yes. like getting to that root cause, like, and, and diet is being discussed for the first time in regular medical, I don't know, fields or whatever, which is just mm-hmm. crazy that it took this long. Absolutely. And it, I mean, unfortunately, it is going to take years. Like, even Anthony talks about that. He's like, you know, it's going to take Western medicine, like at least 30 years to be where we would hope that they were now. Um, but there's no like side to pick either. And I think I went through that when I left, I really like despised them. Um, and then when I, you know, went to the naturopathic side, I kind of went full extreme on that side too. But I, I don't think anyone has it perfect. And I think from that, the, the most important part is that we really become autonomous in our own health and know what's going on for us so that we can make the proper decision that feels right for us, whatever side that looks like. That's so true. I definitely feel like I had to pick and choose from like a ton of different modalities to like find some sort of like relief that it was not Mm -hmm. always just one thing that was it. Yeah. And and acupuncture might be great for somebody and then another person, it just might not resonate with them. Yeah. My husband does acupuncture (laughs) and I'm just terrified which is just terrible because he's right there and he's like "Uh, I can regulate your hormones just let me stick you and I'm like no thank you yeah I I personally I love acupuncture but I'm a little afraid of it yeah I feel like it's so weird when he'll stick a needle in me and like my body will push the needle out he's like that doesn't happen that's not normal why is this happening and I'm like because I'm just like my body is like I reject this intruder yeah yeah but actually well that's where acupressure might be better for you because it's non-invasive Yes, and then I have, or, I have little finger yeah. bruises from my husband, oh, no. like trying to acupressure me. But anyways, <laughs> yeah. so um, what are some common myths about the modalities that you practice? I think the number one myth is that everyone thinks it's so, or not everyone, but I get a lot of times that people think, you know, it's not science-based or it's not evidence-based medicine or that it's too, you know, left field, woo-woo. Anything is going to be whatever perception you look at it like through if, if you genuinely walk into a field and you think that it's going to be like that then that's what you're going to see um but we have to remember that especially you know with like naturopathic medicine well maybe we don't have the science or the research papers because number one they're expensive but these are ancient practices that like for instance acupuncture like thousands and thousands of years like that is like the chinese culture at its core of medicine um, that has proven it works through those thousands of years in cultural history. So I guess sometimes we lose sight or we get so fixated on making sure that it's science and that it's true without realizing that just because a piece of paper says something does something doesn't even mean that's true. Um, and I think that's one of the biggest myths is that we always need proof of something instead of actually looking for the personal experience or the testimonials. I love testimonials because I'm like, look at that. That's truth right there in front of your face. If someone had acne or like severe eczema and completely reversed it, I don't need a paper that says that. I just need to look at the person and say, look at this evidence. Um, And I think that's where it's calling us to come back to our our, um, intuition and really be masters of our own body in in the sense of, tuning in and asking ourselves what we need and that's true medicine to me anyways yeah I agree yeah so do you have tips or tricks for what to do in a moment when you're in physical pain like say a migraine cramps muscle spasm anything like that yeah um I'm a huge fan of acupuncture for that stuff because I know it's very um instant but you can't always find an acupuncturist um there are great herbs believe it or not, that are first aid herbs for um, quick pain relief, as well as, I'm trying to think, homeopathics. I don't know how familiar you are with homeopathics, 
Um, but those can be actually quite powerful and quite uh, instant as well. When I was younger, I was uh, the receptionist at a vet and he did acupuncture and homeopathy on the animals. Okay. And it cool. was, it was like my first introduction to what that was. I'm just like, how could this, what is this? It's so weird. But I mean, you can't <laughs> deny that the dog would have complete 180 turnarounds. So mm -hmm. what is this stuff? It's got to be doing it. And I think like my husband was telling me that for animals and for children, it works much faster. Absolutely. So the more sensitive the being, the more um, effects you're going to get fast with homeopathy, which is why kids, especially and animals, um, it's so fast because you're working on that sensitivity, you're working on that energy uh, center. Whereas somebody who's a little less harmonized and who has, um, you know, undergone society um, in the adult world, that's where it takes a little bit more time. But my personal use with home homeopathics, um, it's instant. Like it's like a couple hours, sometimes minutes, depending on which one I'm trying. So yeah, that's, it's, it's a very interesting kind of method, but I do, I have seen it work too. And it's funny that you say animals because I see a lot of people using herbs on their animals as well. And I find it funny because they use the herbs on their dogs, but they don't use the herbs on themselves. <laughs> oh, yeah. Can you tell me a little bit about past life trauma and what you do with that? Sure. So 99.9% .9 of people are dealing with some sort of familial past life karmic trauma. Um, and I always see this come through. So we do hypnosis, especially when I work with people. Um, for overcoming depression, anxiety, PTSD. We use hypnosis to move back and kind of see where the root really is. Because sometimes we're operating in our lives and we start seeing these patterns. And we're like, why is, you know, like, why am I an addict maybe? Or why, why do I um, fall into gambling? Or why do I always attract a partner that is a narcissist? So we have these patterns that keep coming through and 99.9% .9 of the time, it's either a family pattern. So I look into people's family lines and I'm like, where does grandma have it? Does grandpa have it? Does aunts have it? Like where in your family is it coming from? And then where in your past life, if it's not there, where in your past life um, have we seen this? So that's where the hypnosis, um, I have exercises that we do. We go um, back into the higher self. I've had a couple transmissions where the higher self comes through and we're able to talk to them and really figure out, you know, why are you afraid of water? Oh, because in a past life you actually drowned. So that's the core of that one. Or uh, why do you keep attracting a narcissist while you haven't learned the lesson of self-worth um, uh, and the creating boundaries? And that was a rich or sorry, that was um, continuing to happen in past life. So you decided in this life, that you really wanted to work on finally stepping into that. So this is going to continue to repeat until you learn that lesson. So at the core of past life trauma, um, it's really just where our lessons are and where we've decided that in this lifetime, we really want to focus and learn those lessons once and for all. So that's really interesting. Can, can you do those type mm -hmm. of things remotely with someone or they have to be in the room with you? No, so actually most of my clients um, are actually online. Uh, so we do it via Skype, but we I, I do have some that I work with, you know, one-on-one. -on -one. The one-on-one is a little bit easier um, because I can then do the Reiki. That's also something that I incorporate into the healing sessions. Um, but the one that I had that his soul actually and his higher self came through, he was on Skype in, I believe it was the Netherlands. Is the Netherlands, and it shocked both him and me because I wasn't really prepared for that. I didn't know that that was gonna gonna happen, but then that kind of just you know everything's supposed to happen for a reason, and that's why that's part of my practice now. Have you had any like really scary things happen? I would say not scary, just a lot of new stuff. So things that I'm not necessarily prepared for, but am prepared for, and then it's just kind of working through. Like in meditation, certain things are going to come up and sometimes you can't really control, especially if someone's working with something really deep and dark, you can't really control what's going to happen. Um, so it's really just keeps you on your toes, I guess. And what do you feel about like people's energy? Do you feel like you can feel energy when you walk into a room and like that's something that we need to be careful about? Like when we 
like hang out with certain people? Yeah, that's that one's actually really important um, because me, especially I'm an empath. So I tend to me personally, I need a lot of me time for recharging uh, because I do take on other people's energy. I have a tendency to step in a room and if I don't guard my energy, I take it on and then I feel super drained by the end of the day because I've taken on, you know, 20 people's energy and helped them clear. Um, but yeah, absolutely. Like if you're, if you're trying to heal a certain aspect of yourself and you're noticing that your environment is mirroring that, then you want to set yourself up for success. You want to start creating the environment that is conducive to growth. And I think one of the most important, I guess, quotes I read is, you can't really heal in the environment where you created the trauma. And I think we forget that, that whatever created the trauma is just kind of, you know, circling and that's an energetic circle. So we need to learn how to move into a place where we can then start creating that new energy and really shield ourselves um, or not shield ourselves, but heal ourselves so that we can step into that new kind of resonance. What do you think about, okay, for example, if, someone is really like stressed out and then you have to be Mm -hmm. around them and then you start getting stressed out because you're around them. So how would you kind of like not take that on? So I actually work with um, crystals and angels. I'll be very open about that. Um, Archangel Michael is the blue, he's a blue energy. He is my number one shielder. And I do that every morning. Um, I ask him to come in. I ask him to shield my field and ask him to allow me not to absorb other people's energy so that I can be full and present throughout the day. So when I am in that situation that someone's super stressed out, I'm not absorbing their energy. The other thing is that I keep crystals on me for grounding and for protection so that if someone is super stressed, I'm not going to take that on I'm able to actually hold that space of transition for them so that they can start to deregulate do you believe that people can be toxic or do you think that they just need to be helped I mean I think we're all toxic I don't like to say toxic because it's not really I don't like to say broken either because you know we're all like we're just all on this journey trying to better ourselves there's certain people that will feed your energy instead of build your energy. And I think that's where we need to make the choice for ourselves and for our growth that we need to move apart. Because if someone, and I I mean, you've probably heard this term before, energy vampires. If you're with somebody and you feel drained or you feel like you can only spend one or two hours with them, that's a sign that they're actually taking your energy or they're, they're bringing you down to a certain level. So then that's when you have to say, okay, you know what? I want to grow. I want to put myself first and put myself in an environment that lifts me. Then you then have to make that transition to surround yourself with people who build your energy instead of bring it down. Because then we can get into that cycle where we constantly have people taking our energy and we're like, why are we always drained? Why Why can't we show up in the world? Because you can't show up in the world when you're constantly drained because you don't have the energy to do that. So that's the spiritual decision to say, I want to be my best self. And in order to do that, unfortunately, I have to put that person at bay. Yeah, that makes sense. So I have one example. Mm -hmm. So my husband has Mm -hmm. been working from home and he's constantly on the phone yelling at insurance companies. And I'm also an empath. So then I start getting Mm. stressed out. Should I kick my husband out of the house? (laughs) Um. I, I, mean, I would say there's a lot of things that you could do, right? So number one, house clearing is going to be huge. I don't know if you sage, smudge. Um, I do it once a year, up. yes. Once a year? Yes. <laughs> Girl, you got to do it way more than that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, I would say like once a week at least. Um, so should I sage him <laughs> and then blow Thanks. him out of the window? <laughs> no, no, no. Um, I would say, I mean, he probably, he's an acupuncturist, so he's sensitive, he's self-aware. Um, so when he's, I guess, regulating into that stressful mode, you have that opportunity to step back and to ground yourself, correct? You have that, that opportunity to really clear your field. And then that you can use sage for that. So you could start clearing your field with sage. You could start clearing the house with sage. But then the uh, the flip side is, have you had that conversation where when he's doing that, that stresses you out? 
Oh, yeah. He's fully aware, but he's like, well, until my new office is ready, this is kind of where I have to work. Right. So is there, like, a room where he could do that? Because, I mean, the energy of – have you seen the emotional guidance scale? No, I have no idea what any of this is. Okay. So the emotional guidance scale is like a tornado, essentially, where the bottom of the tornado is, like, fear, grief, stress irritability and then as you start working up to scale you start raising your vibration so you get into excitement joy love peace um, all the way to the top so when they're in that stress environment they're reacting right they're creating that lower vibration um so what you can do is you can start holding space and energy space to help them move up that scale so so to move to you know what this is going to be okay i don't have to stress out about this um, you know what, this is this is fine. I can live in the present because whatever happens in the future, I don't have control of anyways. So by holding that place energetically for them and then not getting reactive to him, so not being like, you know what, this is really bothering me, because then you're just projecting that negative emotion on him. Hold that place, be like, I understand he's under a lot of stress. I want to see him in love and hold that vibration of love, and then that will help project onto him the higher vibration. So just like... Think good thoughts at him. Essentially, yes. Think And then hold that space. Help him exactly. Help bring him down. Because when you project a certain energy, and it's funny because I actually went through this uh, with my father, he's very reactive, very, like, you know, gets irritable. I started holding space and becoming a certain energy around him that I no longer actually saw that side of him. So we always see whatever we project onto the person. So if I say this person is angry, this person is, you know, mean, uh, stressed, that's the part that I will always see of them. But as soon as I hold a different lens for them, that's the only energy that you'll start to experience with them. Okay, so that's something that's totally doable. There was this, um, I was watching something or or listening to some podcast, I don't remember what it was, but it was talking about um, this therapist that went to an insane asylum and she just in her mind kept saying like three things like I love you, I don't know, some like positive messages, but she kept repeating them over as she was with the patients. And then after she was Mm -hmm. there for about a year, the entire insane asylum was cleared. Everybody came back and they were perfectly functional after that and they could leave. Wow. That's just so weird. I would love to hear more about that. I know. I just wish I could find out where. It was like something from Hawaiian, um, some sort of Hawaiian something that you have to like repeat these three phrases over and over as someone is like talking to you and as you're like giving therapy. It's like affirmations, right? Yeah, I think something like that. Hmm, That's interesting. I'll have to research that. Yeah, so I'm wondering if I just keep saying, like, to my husband whenever I, like, I'm talking to him, like, you are calm, you can handle this, don't take it personally. Maybe that mm-hmm. would, like, get in. It would. It definitely would. And it would set the tone of the environment because then you're holding a vibration and, I mean, everything is energy. So if you put a certain energy at him, then he's going to want to harmonize to that level. That's just instinct. When we fight with someone, it only escalates because that's the energy you're throwing back at each other. But if someone tries to fight with someone who's super calm, it has to die. That's the only way that the energy scale works. Whenever you have a relationship issue, I found that Mm -hmm. you can't change the other person, but you can always change yourself. So if you react to them differently, you change the relationship. Exactly. And you subconsciously change the dynamics too. If you're like, okay, I don't tolerate stress. I only tolerate love. Subconsciously, they take that in and they start to resonate with that. I know. But when you yell or you scream, you just blow up the relationship because you're not teaching them how to treat you. You're just making them escalate. Exactly. You're fighting with the ego instead of the soul. Yes. My little cousin, I think she was about, I don't know, like 20 or something. And she's the one who kind of taught me that because whenever her boyfriend would do anything bad or like she didn't like, she would just cut it off. She'd be like, what you just did, I do not accept that from someone I'm going to be with. So when you're ready Mm -hmm. to be the person that I know you can be, you could call me. And I was like, wow, Mm -hmm. that is so mature. That's strong, very strong. So like those things are just so important. And like, what can you tell people like to help them with relationships too? Absolutely. Do the work yourself. If I'm going to say anything, it's do the internal work. Because anytime, you know, somebody triggers us, anytime that someone's really, really bothering us, 
it's only an indicator that something inside of us needs healing. It's never, you know, if you can step into that place of self-accountability instead of being like, they never clean the dishes or, you know, they're always loud or like, he doesn't treat me properly. Well, where in yourself are you not treating yourself properly? Like where in your life are you cleaning the dishes? Like, like what is that trigger internally? And then once you fix that, somebody can't trigger you. They they can only trigger you to the degree that it is deep within you. Because if it really didn't matter to you, it wouldn't be a trigger. So I think instead of projecting that onto somebody else, do the internal work. Ask yourself where in yourself does that need to shift so that you can find more love and compassion. When I, for example, like tidy up, like I do the Marie Kondo thing, yeah. My husband's a complete disaster, but he'll start a little bit and it's like so cute. <laughs> but it's kind of like they do I mean, like feed off of that. Like they see it and they're like, oh, okay, this this is nice. I can do that a little. Right. And it's it's funny because a lot of the times we expect people like, to do things that we haven't actually preached or practiced ourselves. So yes. it's like where in your, you know, where in your relationship are you not actually doing that? And if you're not, then you have to take the step first. And then when you take the step first, they're just going to follow. Yeah, exactly. And it's that, like, taking the step first, letting them follow, taking the step first, letting them follow. Chakra work. I didn't ask you about this. How does that work? I know you mentioned a little bit about chakra, but, like, I really mm-hmm. don't understand what that is. Yeah? Okay. Yeah. So uh, the chakras, there's, it's a seven-center uh, energy system. So there's, uh, there is more than seven, but on the physical body, we just work with the seven. Um, that actually comes from, I believe, Buddhism is the first practice that actually talks about the chakras. So the first one is at the base of the spine, and that's called the base chakra. Then just after that, up from that is the sacral. And then at the belly button, that's the solar plexus. We have the heart chakra in between the chest bones, the throat chakra at the throat. The third eye is in between your eyebrows, and then your crown chakra is at the top of your head. These energy centers work from balance and imbalance. So the ultimate goal to healing, to enlightenment, is to have them centered in a place where you're not oscillating between depleted or excess. Um, Most of the time, I mean, all of us have imbalances somewhere in our chakra system. So, for example, the heart chakra. If you have excess, then you have... um, overjoy, overexcitement, um, to, you give love too much, where a depletion would be like a lack of self-love, a, a lack of compassion, a lack of kindness. So there'd be this oscillation depending on which um, emotion you project that you're either in a depletion or an excess. So by healing those wounds of the heart chakra, then you're able to come back into the center. So for instance, when we have a broken heart or we're told that we're not good enough in childhood or not worthy, they start to block the chakras and move them towards excess or depletion. So when we can heal those wounds and we actually go deeper and you know remove the heart block, then we're able to open up the chakra and bring it back into resonance and balance. And you could do something like this remotely with someone as well? Yeah. So yeah, remotely, it would be meditation work. So it would be a lot of, um, number one, digging into whatever the origin is. So if you're looking at self-worth, low self-esteem, low self-confidence, then we've got to go to the solar plexus. So then when I go to the solar plexus, there's a lot of different things that I can use. So you can use crystals to, to resonate it. You can use frequencies, so certain sound frequencies. I believe it's 432 hertz is solar plexus. I could be wrong. Um, and then there's also different meditations that help you go through affirmations that help heal it. So, um, there's a lot of different things and tools you can use to help kind of bring it back into balance. Uh, but remotely it would be, I use, I use hypnosis and meditation. So it would be like, let's figure out where the imbalance is. I also see colors. So if I'm with the person, I'll be like, okay, I'm seeing green. So you've got some heart chakra issues and I'm seeing a yellow. And then I see, um, like words or pictures and I'll usually like for instance the session that I had a couple days ago I was like the the word when keeps coming up like why is the word when coming up and she's like oh I think it's because I'm always like you know when is this going to happen or when is my life going to change or like when are good things going to start coming in like I always use when so I'm like okay so you're living in the future instead of the the present moment so we got to work on 
um, your heart chakra, we've got to work on your upper chakras of your uh, third eye and your crown chakra to align a little bit more. Can you tell everyone how we can find you online and work with you? Absolutely. Yeah. So I'm on Instagram. I'm at melanie.legend. You can DM me there. You can interact with me um, there. I'm also on, I have my website, so www.melanielegend.com. There's more about my program that I run, which is a six-week program called Anitu. I've got my podcast there. Uh, and there's also my email there if you want to send me a message, info at melanielegend.com. Uh, if you wanted to learn more about chakra work, uh, anything spiritual, subconscious mind, angels, numbers, my first book is called The Miracle Mind, The Power of Self-Healing, which is on Amazon. And that kind of is the beginner guide to spirituality is what I call it. And you also do one-on-one? I do, yeah. So I do one-on-one sessions, either um, on Skype or in person. And um, I have my course as well, so Anna too. And you're located in Toronto? I am, yeah. So I'm in Mississauga for those Torontonians listening. Yeah, I'm just um, Streetsville, so about 20 minutes, 30 minutes out of the city. Okay, so that's really awesome information. Thank you so much, Melanie, for being with us today. And I'm sure everyone has gotten a bunch of information that they're going to go and research now. Awesome. Well, thank you again so much for having me. It was a pleasure to share this information and really help people look at health in a new way. Thank you for listening to the episode. If you made it this far, I'm sure you found some benefit to the hard work that I put into the show. Show your support by subscribing to the podcast. Leave me a voicemail question or email me at thehealthfulgypsy at gmail.com. I would love, love, love to hear from you. Be sure to join the Facebook group. You can find all that information in the show notes and my website, katkatibi.com. This podcast is for informational merrymakings and metaphysical purposes only. Statements and views are not medical advice. This podcast, including Kakatibi, disclaim any adverse effects by the use of information you may have heard. Opinions of guests are totally their own. This podcast does not endorse statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications, credibilities, or sanity. Individuals may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to on the podcast. If you think you have a medical problem, consult with a licensed medical physician, not just the spirit of your ancestors while on ayahuasca.